You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Drabitz. I'm the executive pastor of Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. We are uh, having a conversation for a few weeks about friendship, yeah, uh, specifically about how complicated it can be for pastors to have good friendships, mm-hmm. and despite the complication of it, that it's worth pressing in and finding a way to make that work. And so what we're doing is we had a week where we talked about what friendship is. And Mm -hmm. then last week we talked about uh, one of the reasons that it can be complicated is that pastors can be super weird with people. Yeah. And this week we're going to look at the flip side of that on why people tend to be weird with pastors. Yes. So, so on my mind is awkward interactions, awkward people. Uh Uh-oh. And so I immediately, oh, I immediately started to think about a show that we share uh, a mutual love for okay. that Tammy and I spent the better part of COVID watching all the way through, okay. which is the Big Bang Theory, Oh yeah, who has arguably one of the greatest but most awkward characters in the history of television, Sheldon, Dr. Sheldon Cooper. Yep. Host of Dr. Sheldon Cooper's Fun with Flags, hosted by <laughs> Dr. Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> So anyone that has ever watched Big Bang knows that Sheldon has his spot on the couch. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was was going through our little box of stupid questions. Yeah. And I found this one that it it was, where's your favorite place to sit at home? So like Sheldon Cooper, Mm. you're home, you're single. I don't know if we've talked about that. Oh, no, not Not on this episode yet. I'm sure that our audience is blown away. By that revelation. Uh, so Audience, you have, uh, yeah, do we have one? It's just Zach. Uh, <laughs> so your living room has one, two, three, a couch, three chairs? Yeah, a couch that seats three and then two chairs on one side and a chair on another side. So you got side. all kinds of butt options. I've got a lot of seating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when left to yourself, do you have a mood? You like, do you yes. sit in all of them? Uh, not all of them. My two favorite chairs to look at are chairs you couldn't pay me to sit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have like sit on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always sit on the like, so if you're looking at the couch, the right part of the couch. So you are um, Sheldon Cooper. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. it just fits me better. And then if I'm like up and like having a like a real conversation or something, mm-hmm. I'm in the chair with my feet on the ottoman. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I Mine is our couch we hate. Mm-hmm. Um You've been over enough to hear my wife complain about it, and I know you Mm -hmm. don't like it. There's one comfortable place on our couch to sit. Yeah. Everywhere else is a form of torture. Yep. Thankfully, we got a new floor rug. This is delightful. It is the most magical rug. And and where did you get that? We got that at Costco. Mm -hmm. It took me three trips in one day to Costco. It was one of the more miserable days in my life. But not Costco's fault. No, but it's. The way Costco is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The ordeal. The, yeah. yeah. The ordeal it of it. It is an ordeal. But it is just, oh man, now no one wants to sit on the couch. Everyone wants to lay on the rug. It's so great. 
That is some rug. Except Wicket, our dog. He, he loves to sit on, on the, the couch. Yeah. We like to sit on the rug. So that's right. our good to know. That's our awkward place we like to sit. Cool. All right, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some reasons why people can be awkward, uh, why they can feel uncomfortable or be uncomfortable or just generally weird with pastors that can okay. make friendship. Like you might meet someone in your church that you're like, oh man, we have some things in common. Then you get together and you're like, this is so awkward. So we're going to look at some reasons why or ways that people are weird with pastors. That's the way we're going to start. Okay. So okay. we're going to do this sort of like old David Letterman style we don't have 10, but we're going to go the top seven ways that people can be weird with pastors. Okay. okay? I could have come up with 10 probably. Yeah, I know. I felt like as we were working through our list, we were starting to struggle by seven. Okay. So I feel like seven's a good, and no one wants to listen to us talk all day long. Oh yeah, because seven's so much fewer than 10. <laughs> well, it's three fewer. <laughs> That's true. 30%. So, all right. So let's go. We'll go top seven ways people are weird with pastors. Cool. I'll, I'll go first. Go for it. People... Always apologize for swearing around you. Mm, always. Yep. I had a guy at the gym the other day who swore and uh, then apologized. A guy I've been working out with for like well over a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, but I do CrossFit too. You've heard me talk here sure. <laughs> when I'm getting killed by one of these workouts. You're not the only one who's ever sworn in this gym. Sure. <laughs> but that's one. I mean, we've both had people... Oh, yeah. I've had people apologize to me for swearing for the last 20 years. Oh, sure. Which I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. And it's most awkward when you're in like kind of a mixed setting with multiple people mm-hmm. and they like are telling a story and maybe swear and like single you out. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. To everyone else, forget they you. They could care less. Yeah. But they're There's sorry a shirt you. made or a hoodie right now made by a company that says, I heart Jesus, but I cuss a little. It's like my favorite hoodie I've ever seen, and I want that one so bad. Why didn't you get it? I just haven't gotten it yet. Okay. All right. Anyways, so that's the first one. First way, they apologize for swearing. That's awkward. If you're listening and hang out with pastors, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, Number two is you, like, as the person being weird around your pastor, you insist on projecting perfection. Yeah. And it is so crazy. So, for example, I remember being young, and... Our pastor, I mean, we had the, I had the same pastor pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and his wife came over to our house for dinner maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. I don't remember in that entire span of time. My dad was an elder, all of that, but that's just the only times I came over. And I'm telling you, we like cleaned for weeks mm-hmm. to prepare for this visit. Uh, we were like in our Sunday best. There was no fighting. There Threatened was no, to I be mean, on your oh, best behavior. Gosh. And in general, just at church or in what I like the idea of putting on your Sunday best wasn't yeah. just an outfit in our house. It was an outfit, but yeah. it was also just a way of life. Need, yeah. We need to behave yep. in a way that demonstrates we are good people. Yeah. We didn't just all like scream and fight and hit on the way to church. And like, everyone's got like puffy eyes from yeah. crying and stuff <laughs> yeah. that didn't happen. We are happy and good and well-behaved yeah. people. And, and I think that um, while that's, you know, a funny little uh, ditty about my growing up, it's true almost exclusively with everyone. Yeah. So like a Sunday morning, you have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. What'd you do this weekend? And they forget maybe that you follow them on social media. <laughs> yes. And then they're editing entire details mm-hmm. from their life for fear of what you will, yeah. whatever. Oh, you know, uh, just had a, 
had a real calm, just calm my afternoon, Bible. calm afternoon with 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 a couple of friend, couple of acquaintances. You know, we 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 did some sword drills. And yeah. We were like, listen, sword drills. I saw you post at the club at like two a.m. Uh. So I'm not sure what this is about. Uh, uh. So anyway, yeah. So I think I think there is just this idea that if I can curtail or you know sand off the rough yeah. edges that do still exist, like. That's how I should interact with my pastor. Yep. Yeah. All right. And third one would be, mm-hmm. man, I hate this one. Um, Ooh, yeah. I hate when anyone does this, mm-hmm. but but they talk in Christianese. Oh, gosh. And I think this is, like, we talked last week about how pastors sometimes can perpetuate this in their own behavior when sure. you're, like, all spiritual all the time. You're talking in Christianese, then it puts pressure on other people to do it. Sure. And uh, and so then you hear, but it, but it's kind of like watching people wear Saul's armor. Or like, sure. You keep using these words. You don't really seem to know what they mean. They don't fit you right. Great line from Princess Bride. Yes. Right. Like, they're just well, ill-fitting like a pair of dad jeans. Totally. And, I mean, can we just all embrace, like, we are not Puritans. Like, yes. you are not a Puritan. I am not a Puritan. Yeah. I appreciate your fascination with them. Like we don't we don't have to talk like them. We don't mm-hmm. have, and, and what's funny about so as pastors do I it, heard someone open their their podcast the other day. Greetings and salutations. No, that didn't happen. I can also tell you that's as far as I got in that podcast. I bet. Greetings and salutations. I don't yeah. I don't even know if, what's a salutation. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't isn't like that, it though. Isn't a greeting a salutation? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, man, that's a redundancy. You just said right? the same thing in two different ways. Oh my goodness. Uh yeah, so I think the the big problem though that you run into is uh, not that it, I think to someone like me it makes any more sense, mm-hmm. but pastors as they do it, you might feel confused because you don't fully understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of just regular people genuinely are just like sewing words they've heard together mm-hmm. um, or th- that they've heard together yeah. and into these sentences that are just nonsense. Yeah, nonsensical like. <laughs> Bible-ish things. Yeah. I mean, usually words you don't even find in the Bible, but yeah. Bible-ish things. Yeah. Uh, like I said the other week that I gospel mow the lawn and oh, yeah. all of that. And so, yeah, it just is not, it's not good. It's gross and it's really uncomfortable. And make no mistake, hopefully you have a pastor who doesn't want to like shame you as you say things that are like totally untrue, possibly yeah. heretical, <laughs> but it does make the conversation awkward because mm-hmm. at that moment, your pastor knows like clearly you're not being yourself because mm-hmm. this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 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 For That's sure. Good. Cool. Well, another one would be, uh, we, w- they withhold true feelings and opinions, mm-hmm. which we've experienced that. Like you told me a story the other day about yeah. that. So share that story. Well, I think, and so this is an example where some people in our church decided not to withhold it. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, we as church and ministry leaders sometimes have ideas mm-hmm. that we think are so awesome. Yeah, so good. And um, and they're not, mm-hmm. you know, and so you're like super excited or maybe, maybe to you it is, but you have a church filled with people who believe that holiness means grinning and bearing whatever horrible program you're making them attend yeah. and feeling bad about not coming to. And, uh, so we, we early on in our church, uh, we have always been trying to 
sort of crack the small group thing and, mm-hmm. and what is that and what are they for? Uh, full disclosure, neither of us are big fans of the model, just in general. We hate them. Um, yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's another way to say it, I suppose. Yeah. That's the um, honest way. The yeah. way you're, you're literally doing the thing. You're withholding your true feelings and opinions and you are... <laughs> <laughs> you are not being. And that why was a am very. I doing it. I'm being weird because pastors are listening. It's true. I'm doing this. We're thing. even. We're even weird with one another. Oh, great. Anyway. Anyway. So, so we're always so trying we, to crack yeah, small groups. Yep. And we we launched what we called a Ridgeline Group, which mm-hmm. was a version of a small group, maybe yeah. a bit more affinity based. But we mm-hmm. placed people. I don't know. It was something. And I thought they were going great, Mm -hmm. mainly because in my small group, one of our small group people, her name's Tracy, made the most rockin' spinach dip you can imagine. Yeah. And she brought it all the time because she knew I liked it. Yeah. And I got to get sent home with the extras. So to me, Ridgeline Group was winning. Mm -hmm. And it just started shrinking. As a matter of fact, we had three of them over the Salt Lake Valley. And... um, they all started shrinking a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so there was one night in which I was going to be the only one to go mm-hmm. and because everyone else had bailed. And then two of our younger girls, uh, Hannah and Marissa, mm-hmm. had reached out to me and they were like, well, we'll we'll go out to dinner with you, you know, so you don't have to go alone. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's great. So we went to Shake Shack. We were sitting there eating and they both kind of looked at each other and were just like, all right, we have something to talk to you about. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what's uh. that? And they proceeded to spend the next thorough amount of time helping mm-hmm. me understand how much Ridgeline groups suck. Yeah. I mean, just were the worst. Yeah. Nobody liked them. Yep. Everyone knew that I liked them, and so they went to humor me, but that had ran its course, and we were all done. Yeah. And uh, what I appreciate is, and as a result, we spun out to a different model that we'll talk about at some point as we're able to gear it up again, that has really resonated with our church and has connected with the people of our church, helped make mm-hmm. relationships. But if I had been so married to my model that we just kept going you know, mm-hmm. keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh, we would have never done that. And all of that back to, you've got to be honest with your pastor. Now mm-hmm. I want a disclaimer, even as yeah. I was thinking about this point, mm-hmm. this doesn't mean every time you feel like uh, your pastor didn't preach exactly what you thought he should, you yeah. should like schedule a meeting with him and let him have that it. You should air every single thing right. that you no. don't like about your church's no. philosophy of ministry or like, yeah. Growing up, there was this woman in our church referred to that as diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah. You don't need to have that. You nope. can you can keep some of but but when you're asked, when you're sourced for your opinion, or if it's something that like is taking time and energy and mm-hmm. resources, I think to just be willing to say, you know what? This is not great. Yeah. And uh, and it's important. But as a result, the pastor is going to live in uh, denial or an ignorant bliss, assuming that his ideas are all great. Yeah. Even if they're not. Totally. I think another thing that, that people do is they they always, it's always Sunday morning mm-hmm. as they're coming oh, in, always justify why they've missed church like the week prior. Sure. So you're like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. So glad you're here. Yeah, we were we were so busy last weekend and we, you know, we, I mean, we listened to the podcast and, oh, yeah. but we had just so many and you're like, I just said hello. Uh, pipe broke. Right. Pipe, they just walk in, <laughs> pipe, pipe broke. <laughs> Uh, uh, sorry, you know, and, uh, and you're just like, you know, church is only from like 10 to 11, 15. And I know for a fact, based on 
TikTok videos, you were on the golf course. <laughs> so the pipe may have broken, not in a way that it, you know, and so it just is like, I don't know, you didn't come. I don't mm-hmm. need a justification. Mm-hmm. I don't need, like, sometimes you just don't want to go. Yeah, I'm All sure right. that, and maybe that's motivated by people have been a part of a church where they have really been guilted for sure. not sure. coming, but we were pretty hard to not. No, not do that. I mean, we absolutely want people to be there. Yeah. We believe that it's good for people. And uh, I got to tell you, eating nothing but salads would be great for me. And I am not winning that war. So it's true. It's all that Shake Shack. Well, it was one, well, not one time. (laughs) You're telling so many lies. I don't know. I am. I'm I'm withholding the truth. I'm not being myself. I am the weirdo with pastors. Good thing I've made a career out of interacting with them, right? That's true. Another one would be uh, there, I, and I, I experienced this. This probably a lot of some of this happens at Ridgeline. Lots of it doesn't um, because of the specific culture we've tried to build. However, this one does happen, and it drives me bananas. Mm-hmm. Which is people refuse to reach out for fear of overburdening. Yeah, their pastor. I think you're real, real busy. Yeah, it's interesting. People that aren't in vocational ministry both live in this world where they think you're totally busy and only work for an hour on Sunday. Yeah, they have no idea what you do. Outside I don't of that. know how that you rectify that because yeah. when you when you talk to them, they wonder like, so what do you do outside of Sunday? Mm-hmm. And also, they don't reach out because they fear you're too busy. So yeah. it's real confusing. Yeah, so I don't like that at all. And I mm-hmm. mean, I definitely know that that could be perpetuated in many churches where I just think it's like busyness is a badge of honor for so yeah. many pastors. And so it's just, hey, how are you? I'm so busy. Right. And, uh, but I'm pretty careful. I, I don't do that. Like, I right. don't tell people I'm so bit Like, my day is filled with meaningful work. Yeah. And I'm not busy. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep in mind that for a lot of people, the only picture they have is on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm here That's to tell busy. you, every pastor is busy on Sunday, Yeah, but it's not Sunday every moment of right. every day. And so I think it's not helpful. So for me, I'm in charge of the teams and the setup mm-hmm. and the teardown and just making sure things run smoothly. And so genuinely, and now, because we're doing contact tracing, I'm checking people in. Mm-hmm. One of my least favorite things are the real chatty people who want to have all conversation while I'm like missing people sneak into the service again not because i don't wish i could interact with you but at that moment i'm busy uh this last weekend though i had this couple come up and they're interested they're newer to our church Mm -hmm. they're interested in getting to know me and Mm -hmm. so they mentioned very quickly hey uh let's connect sometime this week about a time we can get together and and that's perfect because i have time at the week, yep. just not right then. Right. And I think that that's the thing that you have to work hard uh, if if you're not in vocational ministry is recognizing those event type things mm-hmm. are busy, but there are definitely, in most every case I can think of, a pastor has time throughout the week for something. Yeah. And maybe, maybe their meeting calendar is full and so they can't meet with you this week or the next week, but sometime soon you'll be able to uh, interact with your pastor yep. for sure. Well, the last one I know is meaningful to you because you experience this in, a, in mm-hmm. some specific ways. But sometimes, so thus far, kind of everything has been about like maybe this over-realized respect for mm-hmm. a pastor or this desire to look holy and externally righteous. So all of it. Sometimes, though, people go the other way. And they are like, they get around a pastor and they're weird because they become like hyper inflammatory. Yeah. So just want to be like, I want to, this person to understand that I am the human embodiment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That they want you to, um, 
just feel offended. And I think mm-hmm. oftentimes it's coming from people who have been hurt by religion or hurt by the church. And yeah. they just, I mean, they're putting up a wall, get away from me. And I think the problem is hopefully if you, if you, if you're a good pastor, that doesn't accomplish the end. Right. You know, and I think that sometimes, you know, I've, I've had this experience where um, uh, I have a service provider that I go to for something and interact with this person on a pretty regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, each time I have like gone and gotten a service, I get more and more divulged uh, all the details of this person's mm-hmm. life. Yeah, I just and... want to be clear. It's nothing weird. You're just trying to protect this person. Yeah, for sure. There's no chance they're it's like, listening to this. The, yeah. It's just disrespectful and totally. dishonoring, yeah. I think. Uh, regardless, like, so yeah, it's not. It's your dentist. Yeah, I, do. <laughs> I go to my dentist a lot. But but in conversation yeah. throughout Throughout the interaction, I get more and more. Yeah. Uh, I just feel very confident it's not possible that everyone else who sees this person gets the same level. Yeah. And I think in some ways, because there's a lot of conversations about what I do. Yep. And then there's a lot of conversations about what they do with their life and time and mm-hmm. interests and mm-hmm. things like that. And um, and I think that it uh, it's like even that is like it it does make me uncomfortable, not because of the level that they're sharing, but because I feel like you're the, trying to get a reaction. Exactly. From the lengths yeah. that you're going to, yeah. to like Bob, <clears throat> like stir me up and yep. it's just not necessary. And so I think that, um, I think even in that case, like that's not helpful either. Yeah. Like genuinely, and we talked about this last week, like your pastor is a person with a career mm-hmm. and yes, it's a specific kind of career mm-hmm. and, and all of that. I'm not, uh, dismissing the importance of ministry and all of that. But I do think if you can just interact with people, like, what do you do for a living? Oh, really? This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Next, move on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. So I tried to give some thought to reasons why these things happen. Sure. So that's an example of like a bunch of awkward interactions that I bet every ministry leader listing has had some version of some of these. Yep. So then I was trying to think through why do people do that? Sure. <clears throat> and so I've got four that come to mind. Okay. And I think it's important to understand these so that we can have empathy. And I think understanding why people do these things, maybe we can do some intentional work to deconstruct these things for people so it doesn't continue. So the first one is people, I think pastors and ministry leaders need to understand that people do see you as more spiritual. Yeah. Like you have a overtly quote unquote spiritual job. Like our vocation is prayer, study, teaching the Bible, uh, counseling, shepherding, discipling. It is, it, it on, I, I understand like there shouldn't, we shouldn't have a separation between the sacred and the secular. And I very much am a believer that my job is not more missional or more spiritual than a dentist or anyone else. Like, if you're a Christian, you're in ministry. The difference is ours is our vocation. Yep. And so that does appear more spiritual to people. And I think it's important that pastors understand that they are perceived that way. Sure. And I think, you know, uh, a pastor can't get too uh, worked up about that reality just because, like, you've chosen a vocation in which, let's say, for example, um, you had an affair. Um, at a lot of jobs in a lot of places, whether it be the dentist or something else, you might get like a fist bump from a buddy for an affair. Right. And here you get fired. Yeah. It yeah. railroads your entire life. Yep. And is pretty public. Yeah. And all of, and so uh, you have made a choice 
to pursue something that a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do. Mm -hmm. And so I can see where Mm -hmm. you make that connection to like, that must mean you're more spiritual. It doesn't necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I could see where people make that connection. Yep. So that's a perception people have. And I think it's important to know that. I think another reason that people feel this way is that they see us as more moral. Okay. um, Which again, I think some pastors work pretty hard to perpetuate that. Um, And the, the truth is like, we might live with a biblical morality that is very different than some people. Sure. You know, I mean, ideally, if you're interacting with people who don't walk with God, you are living with a different biblical ethic than what they are. Otherwise, are you really walking with God? Absolutely. But I think, I think that's part of sometimes what can motivate some of the, like, I want to appear moral. I want to appear righteous. I want, I want my, like, I want to appear as though I'm good too. And I think that that's fueled by, there is like last week we talked about how sometimes pastors, we can structure ministry in a way or behave in a way that we put ourselves on a pedestal totally, intentionally or unintentionally. But in addition to that, people put you on a pedestal as well. And sure. one of the reasons for that is this person is my moral example, compass leader, and that makes people feel very insecure and uncomfortable around you. Absolutely. And I think that whether or not you are more moral, the assumption is that you are. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it just boils down to even think of, um, uh, you know, the idea of being in the world, but not of the Mm -hmm. world. The way that that's interpreted is Mm -hmm. wildly different. Totally. And just because as a pastor, you've determined to interpret it X does not mean that's thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. That means that's your convictions. That's Mm -hmm. your thing. That doesn't even mean that everyone in your church must follow that same guideline or example. But I think the big difference is oftentimes your life is the one on display. Yeah. And even in basic things like people will use you as sort of, sort of like their moral compass or moral, like uh, checkpoint, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like, oh, I don't know, do you think we should go to this movie or do you, you know, and, and so instead of it being like the Holy Spirit and, and everyone's conscience, mm-hmm. it's the pastor giving his opinion yeah. on what you should or shouldn't do as it pertains to these types of things. We just got done with an election and some pastors go way beyond what even the law allows them to do as yeah. far as speaking towards yeah. politics. And, and so they're seen as this uh, beacon or guide to morality mm-hmm. and when it comes to those types of things, uh, like I think we can all do a bit more like Bible reading, prayer, and mm-hmm. then wrestling for ourselves mm-hmm. as to where we stand. Which is why I think it's also so destructive when you have a, a pastor who falls because of a moral totally. failure. Because yep. people have propped you up as right. this, and 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 some of it's right, like. You are a moral example in yeah. a lot, or should yeah. be like you, you are, I mean, Paul said to people, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And yeah. I understand that it was Paul and he's an apostle and, sure. and the truth is every Christian should labor to say that. Sure. And then that's absolutely true of pastors then. Yep. And so when there is a massive moral failure, it's just super destructive. Yep. Absolutely. So sometimes people see us as more spiritual. People see us as more moral. Um, A third reason why I think people can get kind of weird is that they really have a fear of being judged. Yeah. And I think this is especially true if they're coming from a place where, hmm, 
I think on the gracious end, maybe they were a part of a church that just had a very different culture. Yeah. And uh, sometimes on the opposite end of the spectrum, they've, they're coming from a very spiritually abusive, self-righteous environment. Mm. And so they're used to anyone who is open about not being the second coming of Christ and perfect in all of their ways. Yeah. Then they are judged and treated terribly or... Sure you know, cast out or whatever. And so then they carry that fear forward as though, well, that's what pastors do. Sure. As if that's what we're trained to do in Bible college and seminary is to be legalistic, self-righteous, pharisaical a-holes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that anyone who does that to you needs to spend a bit more time contemplating their own sin Mm -hmm. uh, because they're probably working real hard to hide it and trying to draw attention to yours Mm -hmm. if if they make you feel that way. Because it's just... And leave um, environments that are like that. Absolutely. Immediately. I I just think that uh, I'm not sure if anything has done more for my... um, I don't, I don't want to say softness, but just my uh, empathy towards what people are walking through than recognizing everyone's going through something. Mm-hmm. And I think that you learn that through ministry. You learn that through talking to people. You learn that through, like, you're just in this place where you recognize, like, we are all super broken mm-hmm. and we're all really struggling mm-hmm. and all, um, not at all times and all places, but all doing our very best. Mm-hmm. And on, on, on that note, I feel like Shanna said something, our worship director said yeah. something I thought that was so good during worship last week. <clears throat> she was setting up a new song and she was talking about wounds mm-hmm. and contrasting physical with emotional wounds. Sure. I think you were still outside. I don't even yeah, know if you I'm got sure to hear this, but she was saying how, you know, with a physical wound that you carry around, everyone can see it. And so as a result, like if you come in and like last week you had a leg and this week you don't, Pe- mm-hmm. People are going to be like pretty like, oh my yeah. gosh, are you okay? Where's your leg? Very yeah. sensitive, very sure. caring, very empathetic and kind. The problem with emotional wounds that we all have is they're internal and you can't see them. Yep. And as a result, we make the mistake that you're talking about, which is assu- like we just forget that everybody's right. hurting. Everyone's right. struggling. Everyone is, and depending on everyone's emotional health, some of that, sometimes they're not even aware of it. Sure. And maybe that person just shared with you what they actually did do last night. Mm -hmm. But what you're missing is all of the things they could have done and didn't. Yeah. You know? Whereas, like, last night, you're like, oh, my gosh. That was, like, my worst day ever. And they're like, this was a huge success for me. Right. I I, I won. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for a high five, Pastor. (laughs) Come on. Not judgment. Right. Yeah. Well, the last one uh, that we'll talk about for day is today is uh, people, I do believe... Sometime to a very weird degree, um, but people really long for the approval of their pastor, yeah, or pastors or whatever. Sure. And um, obviously, I think if that there there is a way in which that can be overrealized and really unhealthy, and um, and I think there's a part of it that is really normal, like to want, like I I don't want my parents to disapprove of me. Like, I'm not going right. to kill myself in order to make them, a, like, I'm, I'm not wired in that way where I'm, like, sure. going to do whatever I have to. Some people are. Yeah. But I'm not wired. Well, I'm going to do whatever I have to to have their approval. Right. And I think people willing to do anything, like, they live and die by the approval of their pastor or anyone, that's problematic. And it is part of human nature to desire to, like, like it's, I would say there's nothing wrong with my son wanting me to be proud of him. Right. Right. And I would say that the same, I, I think it's important for pastors to understand that you do have people in your church that very much like they want you 
to approve of them, to have your approval. Right. But I think sometimes that's what can drive people to live out of this false self of who they really are. Totally. Because they're just trying to make you approve and be proud. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think it's important to understand, I think, some of the heart that goes into that. And so last week we did kind of like a solution for each one. Mm-hmm. I really feel like there's one bell that we need to ring here at the end that is the solution in so much of this. And I just really think it's so important for, because there's so much built in, in the role and the job and the calling and the vocation that is just like a Petri dish for weirdness Mm -hmm. in your, in you and, and from others towards you that I think such a huge part of the solution is just to humanize yourself as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think like I talk about, I've, I've told our people this, I think I mentioned it in my sermon last week. I like, I, I can't stand when pastors are the hero of their own illustration. Yeah. I freaking hate that so much mm-hmm. where it's like, let me tell you why I am sure. the perfect example of everything I'm teaching you on today. Right. You suck. The other day I did something awesome. You suck so hard. So like, hard. And so I, I, and I think that perpetuates all kinds of problems, both in us and for others. But I think when we, if that's a pattern of like, here's why I'm the example, here's why I'm mm-hmm. the example, here's why I'm the example, it dehumanizes you. It makes you this like sub deity that people in weird ways worship and look up to. And, I think that's super broken. So I think yeah. the more we can humanize ourselves, the way that we, the, the more we can learn to, like we talked about last week, practice appropriate disclosure, be appropriately vulnerable, both in public and in private. The more it humanizes us, and and you want people that I I just I refuse to believe that the only way for people to respect you as a pastor is for them to not know you. Right. Like I know you better than anyone else in your life. Sure. Right? Yeah. And I deeply respect you. Aww. And I know, well, I wouldn't go that now far. Now you don't anymore. <laughs> no, that was gross. I yeah, didn't like okay, that. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I know there's probably not too many jacked up things about you that I don't know. Yeah. And vice versa. Yep. And there's still very few people in this world that I respect more. So I refuse to believe that if people were to know us, they would sure. not respect us. I think be respectable. Right. <laughs> and be known. Right. You can accomplish both of those things, don't you think? Yeah, I I really do. And I think that it's uh, so important uh, if you're going to be a pastor who is a pastor um, into the future. I think that this is such a key part of it. I do too. And I think that uh, because you just can't, no one can keep up those appearances forever. Mm -hmm. It is going to wear you out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to start, you're going to start taking it out on your family. You're going to start taking it out on your staff. You're going to get real edgy. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, pastor, wear shorts someday, Mm -hmm. you know, like just like, like the pastor that comes to the church picnic still and is like buttoned down, but just removed the tie. You're Mm -hmm. like, come on. Everybody's likes wearing yeah. shorts. Yeah. Just go put on a pair. You know? <laughs> just I had a real thing for a lot of years, but I could not preach in shorts. Yeah, I know. I did all last summer. You wouldn't let me wear sandals on Sundays. That's because you looked like a hobo. No, I didn't. Yeah, I like, like you were sandals. about to jump on a train and like you had had like your knapsack on a stick that cool. you were gonna ride the train yep. into the sunset. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Wow. So I think <laughs> Anyways, remember how I said I respect you? Yeah. Uh, hang I do. on to that. I and do. Forget that I just Thank called you. you a hobo. That's good. So I think anything we can do 
to, again, appropriately humanize ourselves as much as possible, I think will help overcome so many of these things. And just really realize, by and large, people do feel uncomfortable around pastors. Mm -hmm. And so really become a student of how to disarm people in yes, the midst of that. Absolutely. Because certainly this this episode is about that people are weird with pastors. But make no mistake, I'm a big, big subscriber to the idea that when you're in the leadership role, you own mm -hmm. like like diffusing the weird. Yeah. And so as much as this is about some of the things that pastors have to deal with from people, uh, the, the solution is for the pastor, not for the people. Yeah. <laughs> because, because the pastor has to be the one to like move it forward and, and really like start to work to knock down some of these walls yeah. and trust that people are going to come through the other side. The other, I mean, another, obviously like, I think another, vocation that people have that is kind of similar in the way that it, it causes people to feel as in politics sure. sometimes like you watch people interact with a president whoever the president is it doesn't matter yeah. and there's just like you can just tell how nervous and uncomfortable this person mm -hmm. is and again like half people half the people listening will probably even hate that i'm willing to pay this compliment however i watched the town hall that president biden did mm -hmm. a couple of months or a couple of weeks ago yeah and it was a combination of like Anderson Cooper asking questions. I think maybe some questions on Twitter. I can't remember. And then people in the audience got to stand up and yeah. horribly read these questions. But they were so obviously so nervous sure. to be talking to a sitting president of the United States. Yeah. And it's this socially distanced room. So there's like maybe 50 people in the whole sure. room. It was, it was like very intimate. And it was, it was like a master class. On, in watching President Biden respond to these people, it was like a masterclass in watching someone disarm the nerves sure. in people. Someone that was aware of this is the effect that both the office and me as a person has yeah. on, on these yeah. people. And it was just, he was just so good, regardless of what you think about politics, all that kind of stuff, but just the way that he worked to disarm people and to make people feel like I'm a guy. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I'm a guy. We're both humans. I'm just Joe. Well, I'm just just Grandpa Joe running Grandpa running the Joe. country right now. And uh, oh man, his little run, his run out that he does, my favorite <laughs> is just like, oh gosh, please don't trip. Oh man, I keep waiting for it to come out in some white dad sneakers, you know, <laughs> <Totally>. Grandpa sneakers. <laughs> and, and, anyways, but I just think that that struck me as an example of how how to to know that someone that you're interacting with feels uncomfortable. And just with intention to try to make them feel comfortable. Yeah, like I've met some people great. in my life that are really, really exceptional at that. Yep. And I think that's an important skill that, again, we don't really get trained in. No mm. one ever really teaches you about. It. I've never seen a book on that. But that we would do well to think like in our interactions, how do we help put people at ease mm -hmm. rather than make them feel more uncomfortable? Absolutely. So... We'll be back next week. We're going to continue this. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head what we're going to talk about, but it's going Something to be good so good. Stuff. It's, it's going just be awesome. good stuff. Yeah. Don't worry about it. The, just you in. know what? The, the most important thing is, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be here as yeah. always, but the most important thing is you, the talent, are going to oh, be Oh, come on. We could move on from that. <laughs> I've had a couple people from Ridgeline come in to oh, meet with me, and they're like, hey, how's the talent doing? <laughs> oh, I know. I'm aware of how it works. Oh, well, geez. as always, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And as we say each week, if you've enjoyed it, you can help us in three ways. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can leave a review wherever you listen, even if it's just a matter of uh, clicking the stars. Give us five, okay? Five stars. Yeah, keep your one star to yourself. That's right. If you don't like it, that's okay. 
You do you. Yeah. But don't hurt us. Right. We haven't done anything to hurt you. No. And then lastly, we'd like to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Hmm.